Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. I have been deeply moved by the Spirit of God lately. Uh, something that is so very positive and powerful in my own life. And that is this, that, that God wants to move in behalf of his people. And in spite of all of the onslaught of the enemy, God wants and desires to move mightily in our generation. And we want to begin to deal with those attitudes in our heart and those activities in our life that would hinder the move of God that we so desperately need, especially here in the last days, here in the in the gathering storm here when we can see the day of the Lord approaching and we can see the coming of Christ at the doors and we can see uh, the enemy pulling out all the stops and every every force of darkness is activated against Christ and against God and against the Christian community. And today I want you to know that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah is here to help us today. Amen. We want to talk about an attitude that if we deal with it properly is going to remove a barrier to the blessings of God that we need and that the world needs to see in answered prayer and manifestations of God's anointing in our generation. We're going to talk about the sin that bleeds, the sin that bleeds. And of course, we're talking about selfishness. It has been called the sin that bleeds because it's an attitude of heart that promotes the flesh and denotes a life under the influence of the old carnal man instead of the new man created in Christ and controlled by the Spirit of God. It's living the self-life out of which springs the poison waters of self-seeking, self-reliance, self-promoting, self-righteousness, and self-pleasing. An ancient proverb says, he that's full of himself is very empty. And the Apostle Paul, speaking of those governed by the flesh in Philippians 2 and verse 21 said, For all seek their own, and not the things which are Christ. One translation says, everyone looks out for his own interest. Moffat's translation says, an, ancient, an old but very, very proven and true translation says, everyone is selfish, caring for his own interest instead of caring for Jesus Christ. Philip's translation says, another old and, and very qualified translation said, they all are wrapped up in their own affairs and do not really care for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's why there's, there's such a lack of evangelism, effective evangelism. Everyone is seeking their own way and seeking that that pleases themselves instead of that that we know pleases God and will bless others today. Selfishness, once again, has been called the sin that bleeds because it saps the life and vitality of the believer and robs others 
a blessing. Selfishness, number one, robs us of the benefits of answered prayer. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, You ask, you have not first because you ask not in the previous verse. You, you don't express your faith by praying and believing. But listen to verse 3. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it on your lust. Oh, friend of mine, asking amiss is not asking something necessarily not in the will of God. It's asking with our own selfish ambitions and desires in view. Amen. If I pray for someone to be healed so I can get a reputation as a man of faith and power, I am asking amiss. If I pray to to bring glory and honor to God when the Lord raises them up. Hallelujah. And I pray because I care and love the person and want to see that need met in my heart. I'm assured that this is not a a selfish prayer, but it is in fact a selfless prayer. Hallelujah. Our generation today has been called and labeled by spiritual leaders in the church and men with insight in the secular world as a hedonistic society. Hedonism, according to Webster, is the doctrine that pleasure is the chief end of life. Living for pleasure, belief that happiness of mankind is the proper goal of human endeavor. The ethics of hedonism is self-fulfillment. If it feels good, do it, is, is an attitude and an activity that leads many into error and many into sin. This is the prevailing atmosphere of this satanic world system. God says in verse 4 of James 4 concerning and embracing the attitude, uh, this attitude by Christians, that it constitutes spiritual adultery and infidelity. I know that's strong language, but let's read it together. James 4 and verse 4, You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your lust, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, friend of mine, that is no position to be in when you're praying for a need to be met in your life or a need to be met in someone else's life. Selfishness robs us of power in prayer. Because selfishness is part of worldliness. Amen. Listen, the, 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 the church in the world is not a problem. Jesus actually prayed. Amen. He said, Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Amen. Keep them from, from the influence and giving in and giving sway and giving way to the evil one. You see, if the boat is in the water, that is not a problem. If the ship is in the sea, that is not a problem. 
The ship is designed to sail in the sea. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is designed to survive and to thrive in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Amen. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, don't take them out. If you take them out, in other words, the light is gone. Amen. You take them out, the salt is gone. But keep them from the evil one. Amen. We can't afford worldliness. Once again, to use the analogy of the ship in the sea and the boat in the water, the boat is designed to be in the water. The ship is designed to sail the sea. As long as the boat's in the water, we don't have a problem. There's no crisis or state of emergency. But if water begins to get in the boat, we have to address that. Because if we don't address it, it's going to sink the boat. And friend of mine, the church in the world will be just fine if we keep our our if we keep our eyes on the prize, we keep our allegiance to Jesus. Hallelujah. And we, we live this life with a, with a distinctly different value system than the world around us. Not only will it rob us of power in prayer if we do not, selfishness robs us of usefulness to God to minister to others, sapping the joy and fulfillment out of our lives. Listen to the book of Romans chapter 15, 1 and 2. It said, when we are strong, when we, when we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, self-preservation is the first rule of nature. <laughs> Amen. Whether it be in man or the animal kingdom, but self-sacrifice is the highest rule of grace. I want to say that again. Self-preservation is the first rule of nature, but self-sacrifice is the highest rule of grace. Listen to Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, verse 21 through 26. It says, From that time forth, Jesus, to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, for this shall not be unto thee. You see, and this this is common self-preservation. Listen to verse 23. But he turned, Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thou behind me, Satan. Now, Peter certainly wasn't Satan. But Peter, without knowing it, was giving into and under, therefore, the influence of the devil. Get they get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself the first prerequisite 
to becoming a disciple or literally a follower of Jesus. Amen. Is self-denial. Not self-exaltation. Not self-indulgence. But self-denial. And then take up his cross. And believe me, if we don't get the first part of that right, we will never, ever, ever crucify the flesh with the lust thereof. And in order to follow Jesus, we have to deny ourselves. We must crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. And then, and only then, can we follow Him. Let Him deny Himself. Take up His cross and follow Me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what, what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Friend of mine, I want you to know today that we're living in a hedonistic generation. And people are asking the question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? If I give to this ministry, what am I going to get? Because I want to make sure that my giving is going to give me something in an immediate sense. Listen, I, I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. I believe he that soweth bountifully is going to reap bountifully. And I believe God's going to bless anyone that gives to his work. But I do not believe giving to get is going to fit into what is being stated here in the Word of God. You you don't have to be self-sacrificing or selfless to give to get. In fact, you have to be selfish if that's the reason, the sole reason that you're giving. You don't care about the souls that are being reached with the gospel. You don't care about the fact that Jesus died for for you it don't you don't care that that through ministries he said in the church that that uh, that you're being edified and you're being instructed in righteousness and and through the fellowship of believers that you're being shored up and supported if it's only to get more to to fulfill our own desires then that constitutes the kind of selfishness that we're talking about here. Even in worship, the same principle is true. True worship, someone said, uh, the worship of God, true worship of God is always conspicuous for its negation of self. For when self is not negated, it is necessarily worshipped. Amen. Listen to Second Timothy 3 and verse 1, addressing the last days, our day, surely today. Second Timothy 3, beginning with verse 1. This know that in the last days perilous times will come. And here is why they are here. It's not just something that just happened. It happened because of a condition in the world, a condition in the culture of men and women. It said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then the whole litany of sins as a result of that self-love, which produces selfishness. 
and all of the things. They'll be truce breakers, proud, arrogant, rude, fierce, violent. Uh, we, we see it all being manifest in our generation. Who, who, people killing their whole family with no conscience, fierce, self-love actually kills the conscience. Self-love has no regard for the pain and heartbreak and heartache our actions cause anyone else as long as we get what we want. That's why the Lord said, Vengeance is mine. Our flesh might want to hit back and get back. He says, no, you don't do that. You leave that to me. I'm the only one qualified. You are totally unqualified to cast that stone. So put it down. Hallelujah. Amen. The last part of Second Timothy says they will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And you see, instead of the church holding a standard, I'm talking about the church world in general. We've lowered the standard to promise all of the pleasures of riches and all that money can buy to please self as an incentive to come to church, to give to churches, to give to ministries. Let me read this from the Amplified. It says, utterly self-centered lovers of sensual pleasures, vain amusement more than God. See, that which is experienced by the physical senses, no matter how much wealth you have, how much money you amass, can never satisfy the spirit. Hence, there's much emptiness and dissatisfaction in the midst of pleasure and plenty. Someone did a, 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 a survey of people that had won the lotto and won these big jackpots. Oh yes, there are those exceptions who, who are, oh, they're just having time of their life, it seems. But a lot of people just didn't find in riches what they thought they were going to find. One thing is for sure, I agree with Billy Graham who really quoted someone else that said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. And nothing in this world and nothing of this world can fill that vast hole within. Only God is big enough to fill that place. And when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, God the Father comes to inhabit us and Christ comes to inhabit us. And that hole that people are trying to fill with every kind of sinful pleasure, believe me, if that place isn't filled by God and by Christ and by the Holy Spirit, people are going to look somewhere else for it to be filled. The devil is going to offer something that says, this will satisfy you. This will take care of that. And he is a liar and the father of it. Listen, from the self-life comes self-will. Second Peter 2 and verse 10 says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise government, Presumptuous are they, self-willed, 
They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. In the Greek, it meant self-pleasing and arrogant. Self-will is the refusal of God's right to govern our lives. The rebellious attitude that is at the root of all disobedience. Self-will must be treated as both an enemy of God and of the Christian. A force left unchecked that will rob us of the blessings of God and render us into the teeth of the destroyer. God reserves and exercises the right to govern His church. When Christ is accepted by faith, He becomes our Savior. When we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him, He becomes our Lord. Hallelujah. Let no man say of God, The Lord is my shepherd, until he can first say of God, He is my Lord. Hallelujah. John 6.38 is very clear. Jesus said of himself, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Hallelujah. I like a quote that someone said is very true. To take all that we are and all that we have and hand it over to God may not be easy, but it can be done by the help and grace of God. And when it is done, there is one less candidate for defeat and destruction and one more candidate for a blessed and triumphant life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. An old proverb says, I would like to buy him for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he's worth. Amen. Not only is there self-will that contradicts and refuses God's will in our life, there's self-exaltation. In Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 12 and 13 and 14, it said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north or literally in the place of control in the margin of a good study Bible in the place of control listen who is sitting on the throne in my life I must answer and address that question who is sitting on the throne in your life we must answer that eternal question today there's not room for you and God to be in the place of control. You know what it means to be Spirit-filled? Every time it's written in the New Testament to be filled with the Spirit, to be full of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't just mean to have the gifts operating, to be able to speak in tongues and prophesy. It means to be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in order for the Holy Spirit to begin to lead us as the sons of God, as it is written, listen, we have to get away from and shun self-will and self-exaltation. 
Self-exaltation actually causes one to compete with God and man in order to be recognized and honored. We must be very careful not to get involved in the mad scramble to be number one. The spirit of competitiveness is a positive force in the sports world, but it's a negative force in the spiritual realm. In man's financial philosophy of dog-eat-dog and unscrupulous, self-seeking attitudes are applauded, but in God's economy, they are condemned. In man's sphere of values, the rich and powerful are lifted to God-like levels. God judges a man by what he is and not what he has. For a man's life does not consist, Jesus taught, in the abundance of things that he possesses. In Matthew 23 and verse 12, it said, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. First Peter 5 and verse 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you in due season. Not when we think we're ready, but when God knows we're ready. Hallelujah. You see, if He exalts us and we have not found the secret of humility in our life, then we will fall into pride and, once again, self-exaltation. And that will begin to be so detrimental to God's will and purpose in our life. You know, it's said of Jesus, and Jesus spoke it of himself. Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, because he was the second person of the triune Godhead incarnate in flesh, though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself. I'm going to tell you, old hoss, I'm going to talk plain to you today. If Jesus, who was the second person of the Godhead, humbled himself before the Lord, that he might do the will of the Father who sent him here to go to that cross for you and for me, and to make of himself no reputation. Oh, he got a reputation, but it's not because he came here to get one. It's because God gave it to him and people that understand what he did and the real power and purpose of the cross give him the glory that is due him. Amen. And one day every knee's going to bow. Listen to it again. Though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and was obedient even unto the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth that at the sound of his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Friend of mine, there's a lot of examples 
in the Christian community and Christian leadership in particular that do not represent that kind of humility, that kind of obedience. There's a lot of self-exaltation. Remember, Jesus said the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Never, never, never equate abundant life with a bunch of stuff. God loves you. God will honor your giving. God will bless you. He will never be an indebtor to you. (laughs) And if he makes you rich, be careful. That's all I've got to say. Amen. Because there's a danger. There's a danger. And we need to recognize it. That doesn't mean give away everything, go live as a monk. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that what we're seeing today is not a representation of God's kingdom. The values today in so many people that go to church is to live as affluently and as powerfully as the world around them is living. Amen. And they're not really seeing that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not something you you feed your flesh with. We need the meat. We need the drink. But the kingdom of God is not about the flesh. It's about the spirit. And it's not about the temporal material world. It's about the eternal spiritual world. Indeed, Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. And when we have life in the Spirit, we have what the kingdom is representative of. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Complete fulfillment. Whether we're the richest of the rich or the poorest of the poor, we are totally and completely fulfilled. By the way, David said, I'm young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging bread. God is going to meet your needs. God may supersede just your needs, and he may give you more stuff. But then you become responsible of how you use that blessing. But I'm going to tell you, we don't get it to squander it on ourselves. We get it to share with others. We get it to promote the gospel. Hallelujah to the nations of the world. So if God blesses you, be a blessing. and Get rid of selfishness and become a true follower of Jesus. For he said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Oh, friend, we're in the last of the last days. The perilous time has come. Men and women being lovers of self is evident in our culture today. We are indeed a hedonistic society. And we've got to keep that barred from the church of Jesus Christ and let the world know and what God already knows that we are following Jesus not for the stuff. We're following him for the shed blood that dripped from that old rugged cross at Calvary. Oh, today, dear friend, you may have seen the abuses in many circles. I cannot defend those abuses, but I can tell you this. 
Amen. God loves you. Don't judge Him or Jesus by people who have compromised their faith and followed the values of the world, even in Christian leadership. Follow Jesus. He loves you. He gave His life for you on the cross. And no matter what anyone else does, He has shown the greatest love that anyone could ever show and offers you the greatest grace that anyone could ever know. And I challenge you today in the name of Jesus Christ, don't let the devil talk you out of coming to Jesus because of those that have and are misrepresenting Him and misrepresenting the kingdom of God today. There's a reality in this kingdom. It is a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of peace. And it is a kingdom of joy in the Holy Ghost. So I pray today that you will repent of your sin. That you will not let the devil hold you back from this that is offered you. This gift that is priceless. That he laid down his life to give you. Amen. And others are laying down their life, whether physically becoming martyrs around the world or whether sacrificing what their life would be if they lived it for self, just so they can tell you about His great love for you and the way that you can be saved today. So come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Deny yourself after you have. Take up your cross and follow Him. He'll lead you in a path of righteousness. He'll give you everything you need because you won't need near as much as you used to need when you're so full of joy and peace and power. In Jesus' name.